Hello, welcome everybody. Um, we're back with another episode for ya. It's QBT. I'm Shawnee. And I am Maddie Germs. Um, yeah, I guess we can get into it. I feel like we talked for a really long time last week, so maybe let's not do that. Or maybe we do. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Buckle in. Slick, all up in my ear and shit. <laughs> howdy, howdy, howdy. Hello. Um, I could ask a dumb question like, how are you? But instead, um, I think that there's been a lot of talk about how that's a stupid question. Um, so instead, I will ask, my dearest slut, how have you been taking care of yourself this week? <sighs> Great question. Thank you for asking me that, Maddie. Um... How have I been taking care of myself this week? That's an excellent question. I don't think I have yet, if I'm being honest. Um, But I am planning to this weekend. I plan to unplug and go away into the middle of the wilderness and not be bothered. Good. I love that. That's great. Yeah. Uh So, you know, trying to protect my peace the best I can by doing that. Um, A tough, long week. I was actually just saying what is it, Thursday today? And it feels like it's already been two whole weeks mm-hmm. <laughs> since the last weekend. So totally. I don't know. That is that is how I'm feeling, even though you didn't ask, I'm telling you. Um, how about you? What's How have you been taking care of yourself? Um, uh, sorry for the long pause. I think my answer is similar to yours in, that in some ways I have not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I have been keeping my heart full by maintaining and keeping the momentum of this movement going in my community and within myself and while that is making me tired and while my body hurts I I I don't know how to hmm maybe this is gonna lead us into what we talk about later but I think that taking care of my community is taking care of myself you know what I mean that makes sense yeah. That makes absolute sense. So I hope you all did our homework this week and took care of yourselves as best as you were able and made sure to check on the folks in your life that you needed to check in on. Um, and if you don't know what we're talking about, go back to our last episode, read the fuck wind, and then come back to this one. Yeah. Do you want to talk about some shit? Um, you know what? I do want to talk about some shit. Let's um, go. Let's go. Let's get into and what about it? So, hmm. You know, we're going to start with important things first. Important things like Black Lives Matter um, and some updates on what's going on. Uh, if you have not heard, um, all four police in the George Floyd, Floyd murder um, have been arrested um, and they've been charged with murder in the second degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's really important. And I've seen, uh, while it is still a charge, it is not a conviction. We don't know what that'll look like. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I do want to make sure, I think I've seen a lot of petitions and things to get the charges raised to murder one. Um, but that I don't think is a good legal move because it will be much harder to prove uh, that not only did he uh, mean to kill him, but that he had planned to. And uh, I think that that's the difference between like two and 
one. So like these charges are the most likely charges to get convictions based on the video evidence that we have seen, which obviously will play such a major role in this case. You There's know what I think about- sometimes what? is, <laughs> could you imagine, could you imagine if the video hadn't come out? <laughs> uh, it would be business as usual. Yeah, it's crazy. It's that it's that simple. Wow. Anyway, and that poor girl who recorded it is like really having a tough time because like she's dealing with post. I can't remember her name, which is really awful. But Google who recorded um, the George Floyd murder and she's, you know, dealing with post-traumatic stress of watching that happen. And then is also kind of getting like online bullied by people saying like, um, well, obviously racist, but then on the other side is like why didn't you do anything and like why'd you just record it and like that is such a horrible thing to give this young girl like she's a young girl you know and it's um so survivor's guilt is already a big thing and then you add this layer onto it and i think that not directing that to her that is a fucked up thing to direct to her but especially as white bystanders different than that person uh Take some risks, you know? Like, I, th- I think so. one of the things that we've seen in these protests and riot is that you can interrupt arrest. <laughs> like, you can, mm-hmm. like, especially in large numbers, you can pull cops off of someone. That, and, you know, that isn't the case everywhere. And I don't- There are to, like, more of us than there are of them. Right. It's almost like, I saw this tweet the other day that was like, when you go back and watch your favorite kids' movies and finally realize what they're about, and it shows the clip of A Bug's Life when- um, that grasshopper guy is like, there's more of them than there are of us. And if they realize their power, they'll overthrow us. And it's just like, oh my God, this is oh about a race god. war. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my God, everybody. Okay, that's the homework for this week. Go watch Go a watch Bug's Life. <laughs> um, LAPD reduced their police budget by like 100 to 150 million, which sounds like a big number. And it is only five to 8% of their budget. So, you know, uh, try hard. Good- Good and let's. We want more. <laughs> Open your purse. <laughs> Open your purse. I want some more. Don't be shy. Um, Portland Public Schools also removed armed officers. They announced that they will be removing armed officers from their classrooms, which, you know, fucking duh. <laughs> what? what is going on in these Portland classrooms that we need armed officers? Tell me. Well. <laughs> You'd have to talk about the segregation of schools here first, so. Oh. Um, but I think while we're critiquing some of the actions, there is action happening. And I'm sure that between when we're recording and next time, there will be more actions that are out there. Um, priots, uh, priots, oh my God, protests. It's oh. <gasps> a new word. Oh my God, protests it's protest and riot. It's a priot. Re- revolutions, uprisings, they work continue to keep at them and berating them and making them tired. Um, We are seeing also, uh, I saw a trend um, where a small number of percentage of police per day are quitting. We can make that Mm. more of them. Yeah. Um, Minneapolis police is talking about real defunding like moving from conversations about it to what how does that actually look in disbanding their police department like that is huge wow Um, it is also really hard for me to also hold the joy in and the excitement in the momentum with obviously the deep pain that is 
sparked that and caused that, you know? Yeah. But you know, like, let's make sure it's not in vain, right? Like, you have to stay on their necks. But yeah, fuck it. Like, stay on the gas pedal. Stay on their necks. Like, we, I think a big fear of mine this week, especially, especially after Blackout Tuesday, Jesus Christ, that went wrong. That went oh, like God. sideways fast. Um, I Let's went Blackout, to Blackout Tuesday and not talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went to sleep with my square and woke up like, oh God, things got worse. <laughs> um, anyways, after Blackout Tuesday or during Blackout Tuesday, I was sort of like, what happens after this? Oh my God. What if like tomorrow people wake up and they're just sort of like, all right, well, I guess it's done. And they just go back to business as usual. And that's also been a fear of mine at work. Like I see the slow trickle of people starting to like go back to the status quo. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like we're not done. Like we didn't just speak up for a couple of days. Now everybody can just go back to doing what they were doing before. Um, We're nowhere near done. I mean, uh, my partner hadn't seen 13th and so was watching it yesterday. And I, I've seen it a few times and every time there's different things that catch, catch me. And the thing that caught me this time was like, there is the Philando Castile video in it. And Mm. that was like one of the first times I ever took to the streets, you know, and I, more people are having these conversations of let's keep this momentum, but these conversations are not different. They happen all the time of, you know, People go out for a few nights or a few weeks and then they get tired. So I think that there is something about the sustainability of this movement and taking care of ourselves and each other, tagging each other out, you know, like you get a week of rest, you know, like I think that that is important as we figure out how to build coalitions and continue to invite people into the movement. Cause like, as you're getting tired, someone else is getting radicalized. So right, I think it's important to, you know, ask your racist parents how they're supporting Black Lives Matter movement every couple days, you know, like wear them the fuck down. And obviously, you know, that's not um, the case for you, but. Um, well, no, but I am making an effort to, you know, my campaign, I, my platform is make white people uncomfortable 2020. And like, that's what you have to do. Like embrace the discomfort. Like it's going to make you uncomfortable and it's going to make other people uncomfortable. And that's how you know you're doing something right. And that's mm-hmm. what I say. If you're feeling uncomfortable and if other people are feeling uncomfortable around you, yeah. don't let up on it. That's a good thing. Like mm-hmm. that's what should be happening. I was having a conversation with my brother about how I had been in, uh, I don't know, in protest with people who um, several years ago when I was being vocal about these things or in spaces with them would ask me to talk about something else or and not out of not caring about it, but about like, can we talk about something fun? Like, like we know that that is your work, but can we, can we focus on something else or something, you know, a very typical mm-hmm. white person response, you know, and I, I think in the past would hold some like resentful feelings around, you know, why the fuck are you here now? And I'm trying to step into a space of like, you're here now, let's just fucking go. Like, you know, and um, we're gonna need to keep going because Breonna Taylor's murderers are still at large. Um, They have not- Happy birthday to her. I think that by the time this comes out, her birthday will have passed. It's tomorrow, Friday, Mm. I think. I mean, as we begin to speak about intersectionality, at, at remembering Tony McDade um, and the trans folks that are 
being murdered who are also black <laughs> you know mm -hmm. i think that um the the further away that we get from their deaths the less i'm hearing their name which was already yeah little in the streets you know and so i just think it's important for us to continue to continue um John Boyega was out in the streets, man. Like, he was mad and uh, told Disney to fuck off, essentially, which, like, good for him. Love it. I love to see it. I, yeah, I think he said something about he might lose his job or mm -hmm. might not have, like, an acting career anymore. And I'm like, right. fuck yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's what it means to really go out there and mean, like, mean what you're saying. Like, yeah. you are putting yourself at risk, but, like, it's for a greater cause, and that's how I know you mean it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I mean, I love that Jordan Peele and other like black uh, creators were like, we got you, bud, you know? And, yeah. Yeah. Um, I saw too that Lucasfilms actually sent out a thing that was like Star Wars stands in solidarity, which like, I don't know if that's true or not, but like, fuck Disney, because fuck Disney. Um, Nicole Blyer was out in the streets in LA fucking twerking. And, I didn't see like, this, but it sounds great. It was uh i think spencer put on his story is like uh national treasure over national guard <laughs> like speaking about her um <laughs> but like i don't know i mean there's been other people too i mean i don't like this bitch but i mean i don't like her voice i'm sure she's fine whatever but like halsey <laughs> was out in the world like um fucking like pouring i'm <laughs> sorry did i get you <laughs> I that think was that was funny okay <laughs> she's so goddamn annoying but she was out in these streets you know she was um acting as a medic in some some protests you know i mean that's the other fucked up thing that's happening right now is like police are committing war crimes oh my god attacking the uh medic and uh, supply stations of these people who aren't protesting and journalists like these people have been protected by the Geneva Convention like what the fuck is going on what are you doing I know and they're leaving bricks places I don't know this has not been confirmed but all those bricks palace of bricks just near um, protests I mean I I've seen some videos but I also have seen some really cool innovation of like how to use those bricks instead of uh, destroying things you can set up roadblocks with them <gasps> yeah so that's what or, you know we could build homes for the homeless with them too instead of leaving them for we don't have to get Jesus fucking Christ okay <laughs> um you know what we can't get into though is fucking Leah Michelle oh <laughs> she's being read the fuck down <laughs> I you know her co-star Amber Riley was like I don't want to talk about this there's like bad shit happening and I'm not gonna tell you that she was not a good person yeah. <laughs> he was a good person but at, for the sake of humor this is hilarious that pregnant leah michelle after being like fuck the police black lives matter all her castmates are like you're a bitch <laughs> like <laughs> so fucking funny it's i love seeing when a mean celebrity is like exposed it's like i don't know between her ellen what's that one girl's name Catherine heigl <laughs> oh where <laughs> she was a mean girl and she mm -hmm. got canceled fast. Mm -hmm. um, I, I guess we'll see if Leigh Michelle shows up in anything else. Something tells me she will not. Yeah, I don't. I, I think so many people came out. I mean, even days and days afterwards, like it was like a very immediate, like yeah. Because who was it? Samantha Ware started it. Yeah. Where she was. She was just like, "Excuse you. You told me 
you told castmates you were gonna shit in my wig you know like what the <laughs> fuck is wrong with you what the fuck is wrong with that and this all came from which i love the call outs that are happening on social media like mm. these empty hollow words people are just putting up because they're just like oh yeah i stand in solidarity too right no you're not you racist girl yeah <laughs> like, well like l'oreal tried to be like black lives matter and two years ago i think in 2017 or 2018 they fired um what's her first name, Monroe, um, the trans, black trans woman who spoke out against racism and they like were swiftly canceling her contract fully just for talking about racism. I think it was right after the Charlottesville mm-hmm. fucking bullshit that happened. And she retweeted them and was like, literally, how is this embodied in your organization at all? I think I saw you post something that was like, thank you for the images. Can you show me your board? Like, yeah, like who's on your executive board? Like, let me see. I guarantee you, it's all old white men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh like, God. what are you doing to change that? Probably nothing, because white men love to stay in power. Oh my <laughs> God! Speaking of Jeffrey Epstein, have you seen any of those? Un- <laughs> Do you like that transition? <laughs> have you um, seen those anonymous leak leaks of like one that he definitely didn't kill himself; he was murdered, and then to all of the documentation about Trump literally raping like 10 to 14 year old children. Like, um, no, that's news to me. I thought you were yeah. going to ask me if I watched the Netflix show and I was going to say, yeah. No. <laughs> no, that's one thing that's disgusting. But then like his murder, which has been like suspicious, uh, or I guess yeah. his suicide has been suspicious, but anonymous leaked like pages and pages and pages of documents of essentially what Russia has on Trump. Like, and that's what it is. Trump is a child rapist, which is awful. Um, Great. On top of everything else that he's awful at. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, the thing about Leah Michelle, though, is uh, I like that, um, well, one, that Santana is... Uh, Vindicated? Yes. I, I was like, not <laughs> think of that word. Um, yeah, Naya Rivera is probably sitting in her home right now just eating popcorn like, yeah. yes, bitch. Yeah. I was trying to tell y'all. Like, oh my God. <laughs> um, yeah, and how tactful she's had to be like trying to describe how much of an awful person she was like in whatever. I'm happy that she's got some yeah. validation. And then that Britney girl was like, you know, I can totally see how talking about this person detracts from the larger conversation that's happening in our country right now. And I actually think it has to do with hate. And if you're a hateful person, you should be shut down. And this person is a hateful person. <laughs> like, I just, you know, I, I, I wish her and her child well and a better future, stepping into a better future. Welcome to being radical or whatever the fuck but like no, she brought that shit for full circle <laughs> oh, that's great she <laughs> tweeted that fully expecting everyone to be like yes rachel berry and everyone was like shut the fuck up rachel berry <laughs> i love it it's so good um lego donated like four million and then also agreed to pause production on the police of their sets which like that's great. Children shouldn't be playing with uh, terrorists. So, yeah, that's go them. I also saw um, Ben and Jerry's was in the news, and I was just like, "What did they do?" And then I went and read that statement, and was like, "Oh, they are coming for blood." <laughs> like they Ben and Jerry's is not fucking with y'all, and I love it. <laughs> Truly, a gift. Really, that's how a brand does it right. Truly, yeah, and I mean, I think it's it's hard because like. 
as employees of somewhere, you want to be like, thank you for saying something. And it's, I mean, it's like, let's move past Instagram activism. Like saying something is great. And that is like the baby, baby bare minimum step. Like, Mm -hmm. what are you doing? You know, Portland State sent out this, um, you know, statement and solidarity with George Floyd and the protests and all this stuff. And everyone was very swift to come back at them. What is going on with me? I'm so gassy. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) To come back at them and was like, um, we have been trying to disarm the Portland police for years. You killed someone last year. Like, literally, it's not even like you have weird hiring practices with Black people, which they do. It's more like you actually are fully a part of this conversation problem. Don't say something. Do something. Yeah. <sighs> um, it's infuriating, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that also there is like, a, I can totally hear how my anger or passion is like feels out of pocket when it's like where have you been always you know and I, I don't think that I'm necessarily like just showing up and I I hear that and I, I get that and so Listen, it's been that. nice this week to have people be angry on my behalf let me tell you <laughs> I've never felt that before where it's like, oh shit, y'all, y'all feel my pain finally, and you can actually speak up for, like, on my behalf, like for me. I've never had that happen. So, hey, be angry. I love to see it. Mm. <laughs> I love to see y'all fired up. It is absolutely a little, you know, annoying to be like oh, late to the party. Mm. Like we've been mad this whole time, but mm. woo, it's kind of like you said, like. And I don't have to be like radical anymore. You guys can do that. And I can sit over here and figure out how to help my people out else, like elsewhere. So Hell yeah. it's like, I don't have to fight on three different fronts. I can just now have to fight on two. So mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. nice. It's nice. Keep it up. Um, we had a friend create a support black creatives playlist. It's like eight hours of really amazing uh, black music and like bedroom pop stuff that um, maybe we'll share. I'm only mentioning it because you and I were both just talking about it before we started recording of like yeah you know what we should do or what I was gonna do and run by you after this um, (laughs) is let's do a day of stories maybe it's tomorrow maybe it's this weekend oh wait this will whatever we'll probably already done this now that I'm thinking about it but we'll show everybody like a bunch of those Netflix and things that they can watch and things they can listen to and books and all that good stuff we'll put it up on stories and we'll make yeah. some posts about it um and I mean I think that we have our new link tree with recommendations on it but specifically with music I mean you and I were talking about this on the phone and earlier today too of like while I'm hesitant to name or use the word distraction because that isn't what I mean. It is important to find moments of joy for yourself um, because that's how you sustain the anger. That's how you sustain the passion is like checking in and reminding that like there is joy that is possible and dance and music is a way I think to remind. It's a way I remind myself of that. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree. I've a lot of what I've done recently, especially this week, is 
listen to Chromatica and dance around my apartment just in circles. Yeah. Listening to the same songs on repeat as we were talking about earlier. But mm-hmm. I think it's great. And it's the same thing as taking care of yourself and the same thing as unplugging when you need to. You know, there's a difference between I need a day away, I'm going to unplug for a day, and you just unplugging from the conversation altogether. So yeah. if you need that time and you need that space, take it. And I'm saying that to you guys as much as I'm saying it to myself because I don't think that I put that into practice too often. Yeah, let's take a break. And when we come back, we are going to talk about intersectionality and pride and the queer community. We're back. Mm -mm, I did not hit that note. Do you oh, like okay. that movie? Do you think about that movie? We're back about the dinosaurs all the time. <laughs> I think about that movie all the time, all the time. actually. Yeah. And I, I had forgot. I mean, I do think about it all, all the time. And then you often say we're back. And sometimes I cut it out of recording and sometimes leave it in. But every time you say, <laughs> I imagine those dinosaurs walking through New York City. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Iconic, <laughs> iconic movie. It is. It's it so is. good. It's so good. Today's work is going to be about dinosaurs. So <laughs> we're digging up we bones, bitch. <laughs> what happened? Mm-hmm. No, we're going to talk about something else. Um, it's June. We're officially in June. It is Pride Month, and guess what? We are queer. So that means we're supposed to be proud of being queer right now Um, even if we're in the closet even if we're in the closet which we are um yeah it's it's june it's pride month it's happening let's just call a spade a spade it's weird right now the world is quite literally on fire there's a pandemic still going on let's not forget guys that's still happening murder hornets were around i think they went away because they peep game and thought and thought like nah this that was the side quest episode (laughs) um you know people are now opening their eyes to racism and it's shocking a lot of people so next up is pride (laughs) and how do we sort of approach that um and i think that in the current climate we're in knowing you know that the black lives matter movement is has been a focus the last couple of weeks i think a lot of people and a lot of things i've been thinking about have been how are we going to transition into pride right like how do we transition into pride without keeping our eyes focused on the black lives matter movement and <clears throat> racism in this country and systematic racism and um police brutality br- brutality as well um I don't know, it's like a loaded thing. And I think when I was thinking about it this week, I kept coming back to intersectionality. I kept coming back to these two things can exist at the same time. It's not an either or, but why Why does that feel so difficult to choose in my brain? Why is it that, and for me as a black gay man, cisgender man, like how do I, how am I wrestling these two things, these two identities, right? Being black and then also being gay. And knowing that there are, there's some overlap there, but then there's also not a lot of overlap in places, right? Like, I think historically, and maybe not as much anymore, and maybe it depends on where you live, but, you know, being raised Black and in the South, being queer is absolutely off the table, just like period, right? And that might just be a Southern thing, but especially like being Black, it's just 
you could die, right? Just easily, just from like being a kid and somebody knowing that you're that you're queer in any in any way, shape, or form. Um, and then also understanding that racism is a thing that happens in the South that <clears throat> I'm also grappling with at the same time that I'm grappling with understanding my sexuality and being and being comfortable being out and and accepting myself um it's a twofold thing i don't know there's uh, there's been a lot of <clears throat> work i've had to do on myself i'll say with not only accepting myself as gay but also having to understand not necessarily being accepted for being gay in some spaces while also not being accepted for being black in some spaces and then sometimes not being accepted in gay circles or queer circles because I'm black and then vice versa like not being accepted in some black circles because I'm gay and it's like there's a lot of nuance to it there's always a lot that I a peek inside of my brain on an average day is usually me figuring out how to exist in those spaces like and when am I giving too much when am I not giving enough like (laughs) when am I am I gay enough and then what does that mean is that like a white sort of is that a white focused gay is that like what does that mean and then black enough what does that mean in terms of being black and racist it's just it's a lot that I'm usually processing in my head at any given time while I sort of um compromise these identities yeah yeah Uh, for real fuck fuck that I'm sorry fuck that and um I, I think it, I, I'm sitting with sadness that in when people hear the word Black Lives Matter, they don't think of queer people. And then when you think about pride, you don't think about Black people. Like that is ridiculous when the leaders of the Black Lives Movement are queer women who on their website name their affirmation of uh, queer and trans people explicitly. Like not like we accept everyone. They're explicitly like, this movement is about all black lives <laughs> and like that includes queer people and uh, within the pride movement, that history is started by um, black and brown trans women, you know, Marsha P. Johnson, Sylvia Sil- Rivera, other folks, folks involved in Compton's cafeteria and these other places that said, fuck the police. You can't fucking do this to us anymore. And what does it mean when that movement is then co-opted and leaves those people behind, you know? Um, yeah, and I, I, I know you sent some articles that I read. Um, we'll make sure they're in the, the link tree uh, on the Instagram profile. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was educating myself on the fact that, yes, it was Black trans um, women that were leading the riots and the protests, um, but then you had white, gay, cisgender males who were, or men who were, you know, I guess using their privilege to actually like uh, change policies and actually right. like, you know, make that sort of systematic structural change. And we we paid attention to and tend to give the credit to those white cisgender gay men right. for doing the work when there it's and it's not that it's an either or either right it was a it was an effort it was a concerted effort which is what we're doing now right like there's no one it was these people or those people it was both right but because of where the focus went you know and because the focus went to white cisgender gay men that is when we think of pride where our minds go right Mm -hmm. and it doesn't even have to be a race thing when we think of pride i think most people i mean i put money on it that we think 
white gay man when we think pride. Like we're not, a lot of us aren't, and I mean, I'm not saying me or you, but I'm saying a lot of people out there aren't initially thinking, you know, trans women or mm-hmm. even lesbians, right? Like you can take the race out of it. It's just like being queer and pride isn't just that one singular narrow, you have to be a gay man. Like there's, it covers the gamut of being queer. So we've gotten further and further away from that. And I, you know, I don't know the answer to why that is, but, and why it feels like, you know, every time you, if you do in the past, not this year, clearly, but in the past, you go to a party and you look at flyers or you look at promotions or you look at things for pride and it's always white gay men. It's never anything else, no other sort of representation in terms of the visuals that they're showing. Right. You know, something else I'm thinking about is kind of on this other end of more like the civil rights and uh, like movements for Black lives. We often credit and talk about James Baldwin in the context of being a civil rights leader as opposed to an out Black gay man who developed a politic around his Black gayness, you know, and left the country because it was not digestible. You know, Mm. we don't talk about Bayard Rustin, who was a queer man involved with Martin Luther King and was very heavily involved in the planning, but got no credit because Martin Luther King did not find him digestible to audiences, you know, and that that's sad. That is sad that that um, that the queerness and all the queer women who were involved in women's rights movements and all these things and queer black women who taught people how to organize, you know, like that, that history of organizing comes from black women and taking care of folks. And that is an inherently kind of queer thing. And that why do we not think about that when we think about pride? Like, why do we not think about the fed upness and the resiliency as a part of this kind of what you're talking to, which is like capital G-A-Y pride, which has not just, you know, with race, but I think to do with gender, having to do with able-bodiedness, having to do with a type of body, you know, like all of those things, something that started as a riot and something that I also just like want to be explicit and name again that like when we talk about or you see on Instagram pride started as a riot, like that's not just a phrase. Like there were multiple violent altercations with police who used to, you know, uh, arrest people for no reason for being in the wrong place at the wrong time uh, for wearing more than one article of clothing that was assigned outside of their gender for practicing gay sex for like if you were hinted at uh you know thought of as practicing gay sex they could come into your home and take you you know what i mean like that was it's not just the reason i think to answer some of your question is being a white man is something that white gay men experience first First, they experience their white maleness, and they are always going to protect that. That is going to be the thing that they defer to. Yeah. Um, Well, it's the thing that gives them the most power and privilege, right? right. And I think that you bring up that – you bring up a good point, which is also like this hierarchy within sort of intersectionalities and minorities, and it's still about like a a power play and a power relationship, and I think that – the same as me, right? Like at the end of the day, there's an intersection between me being a male, me being 
gay, me being black, and what in any given circumstance or situation, what am I going to lean into that's going to get me the thing that I need? And what's the thing that's going to mm. give me the most privilege in a situation? And sometimes it's just being a cisgender male, right? Like I can lean into that. I don't even, sometimes I can show up in a room and not even have to talk and know that like, there's still some amount of privilege I'm going to get just from being in this room, just because I'm a guy and there's other guys here and maybe like two or three females in the room. Right. Mm -hmm. Or same thing in a black space sometimes, right? Like there is some, there is some privilege to being black in terms of being able to like appreciate and like, um, what's the word, like devour my culture at the rate that I have and be able to really like celebrate it in that way. Not to say that nobody else can, but there is something I find of privilege about my black culture. The fact that other people would want to appropriate it lets me know that it's something that like is rich and full of something. So I lean yeah. into that when I can, right? And well, access to black joy and the 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 black community and black experience right, right. may be different than the word that we understand as privilege in terms of like systemic Power. Exactly. Exactly. Damn, you just put that better than I could. Um, but yeah, like you learn to lean into, you learn, you just do. It's a thing that you, that gets ingrained in your condition to it, right? Like your brain, we talked about this on a previous episode, is wired to like, is, is wired for reward, right? And at the uh -huh. end of the day, that also makes sense for why you would lean into privilege in certain situations. You, mm -hmm. you get, you get an understanding of what you bring to the table at a very early age. Like you sort of learn these things about who's attractive, who's not like you learn your socioeconomic status really early. You learn race really early. Like these aren't things that somebody teaches you at age 15. These are things that are ingrained in you before you're even five years old. Mm -hmm. So, you know, once you've gotten an understanding of that and once you've been living that life, you know, that whole life of yours and you hit the age of 20 something 30 something mm -hmm. it's all you're gonna just you go by default you're immediately gonna go right back to the thing that gets you the privilege the thing that is gonna reward you for whatever situation you're in and usually right. that is you know the thing the most how's the word i'm looking for i guess like the most dominant identity that you have the one that establishes the most power and i will say in that circumstance and in that room it's not necessarily across the board but like we all know how to read, we sometimes all know how to read a room and you know what to lean into when you're in that room. I'm thinking about too, what it means for, hi oh. Blue, um, what it means for white gay people, like you were mentioning earlier, uh, the white gay folks, especially towards the like, especially after AIDS activism and things like that, um, leveraging their privilege to elevate right but i think what happened which is what happens a lot with whiteness is that when there are quote white folks that are not being able to experience the benefits of their whiteness and they advocate and advocate and advocate for that they leech off black culture and they reap the benefits of black comfort and then the minute they assimilate into that whiteness are like well figure it out for yourselves and um that is part of our queer history too and i think that when gay people especially white gay people who are growing up now and are experiencing a world where if they have an affirming family, if they're in a kind of progressive city, their interactions with homophobia are more often than not going to be kind of like mm -hmm. peripheral. They're going to be maybe even only in media, like they understand that, you know? And so their connection 
to the oppressive history is removed. And I think that there are there is a fair amount of failure in the queer community and from white gay elders who are not able to pass along that history and pass it along correctly because they're they're more than willing to mentor someone that is kind of like you know close to grooming and that is fine but like don't you dare bring into this a trans discussion or talk about lesbians or talk about um yeah i i just it's so hard for me to even kind of piece apart all of this because i'm like in my head if your queerness is not intersectional, it's not queer, you know, like it might be gay, but it's not queer. And I don't know how to always best articulate my anger or frustration there. And also how to own my own whiteness within that and my own like male presenting body within that. Mm -hmm. You bring up a good point and I'm happy you said that. I mean, I'm literally, you know what I just did? I was going through the, the alphabet of, um, LGBTQ and she's like okay L that's lesbian right and that means that you're a woman and you're also queer so that is an intersection right and then I thought gay and I was like well gay is just like such a it's that big G-A-Y it's such a just broad thing that we use that covers ever that we use sometimes erroneously to cover everything right um it's like a catch-all I guess you mm-hmm. could say um and then bisexual um that one's interesting because it could that one i do believe could you know also be intersected in all sort of kinds of different ways Mm -hmm. um so yeah i agree and then you have trans and you have queer and then i know there's a lot of other ones too but just going through it's like you're right at some point everything intersects with something else you know and then another thing that i always think about is just this sometimes we think about this intersectionality in terms of race and sexuality, but it also includes your socioeconomic economic status. It Absolutely. also includes your religion. Like, you know, there are black gay Baptist Christian men out there and just think, I don't even know what that life is like. You know what I'm saying? Like right. there are, there are Latinx lesbian women out there who like I don't know what that experience is like who mm-hmm. are below to a lower socioeconomic status right like what's that like compared to somebody that's just like you but maybe comes from money right, right. like there's so many other there's just so much to unpack there um yeah. well I think maybe a way to kind of help us is back up a little bit I realized that we didn't really talk even about what the term intersectionality means mm-hmm. um so for folks that um are not there. Um, intersectionality is a term coined by Kimberly Williams Crenshaw in 1989, and it was her way of trying to talk about the problems that she was seeing within feminist movements that were racist, and her experience as a Black woman experiencing femininity, experiencing womanhood, but not experiencing it in the same way and being excluded from certain feminist spaces. And then also feeling sexism within her black community and black organizing from black men in that area. And it's like, could not find a blending uh, to explain her experience. And I think intersectionality kind of got co-opted by like Tumblr warriors by, uh, this idea that you're kind of ranking how many levels of oppression you're experiencing. Like you're Mm -hmm. saying like, this is, uh, well, I have 19 things that are not like 
white man power, you know, and what it really is about. And I think that she responded kind of recently around the co-opting of of her own term, where she was describing that what I was trying to talk about was that when you mo occupy multiple marginalized identities, you experience an intersection of systems of oppression. And it's about a critique of the systems versus about necessarily individual people occupying levels of identity. I don't gotcha. know if that confuses or clarifies, but I think it's a good point to think about because well, it's more about the system versus the person. Right. I feel like that's the most right. easy breakdown of it. Right. And so as white queer people, as white, quote, capital gay queer people and men, there has to be a questioning of why it takes people from marginalized voices to ask you when you're throwing your par pride party, um, how is this financially accessible to people speaking of socioeconomic status? The level of queer people who are homeless and in poverty is beyond. They don't get to celebrate with us. What the fuck is that about? Mm -hmm. um, why is your flyer only having pictures of white muscle dudes? Why mm -hmm. are all your DJs white playing black music? Why, you know, are women having a hard time coming in here like i i just like i was gonna I'm, say keep these questions coming these are the hard questions we need answers but like, at the same time like it sucks that they're hard you know what i mean because yeah. the minute that you think about we are not free until we are all free how the fuck can you enter into a space of celebration that only comes from the labor of black trans women and then exclude them from that celebration like it is just so beyond fucked and i think that you know, Portland in some ways does some good job of adopting a queer politic in developing those celebrations and at the same time obviously does a terrible job and often accidentally, no, I, I'm going to fully, I would say edit it out, but I want to own that I use the word accidentally to protect some of my friends. Portland makes poor choices that are performative and not rooted in an actual queer activist political yep. realm. That was good. I'm happy you said that. That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but I think we started talking about this because you specifically were naming that as you were scrolling and seeing, oh, Pride's coming up. Is this going to detract from the Black Lives Matter movement? And it's like, that's a sad question. Yeah. But it's it's just been on my mind. And it's... Mm. And it goes back to what I was saying even earlier, which was I can see how quickly this whole thing can shift and like we lose the momentum and it just takes one bit of distraction. That's all it takes. And I'm not saying pride is a distraction. Don't like engage in pride this year. I'm saying like you can still look at pride through the lens of like this Black Lives Matter movement and vice versa, right? Like they're not two separate things they can still happen at the same time and they should be happening at the same time right like it is shedding a light on things that people weren't even considering like people weren't even thinking about black trans lives people weren't thinking about the contributions of um black trans women and people to to the to pride and the riots right so i'm happy that it's getting that conversation going because i don't think a lot of people were having that conversation before but again, I still just, I can see how quickly it can change. I can see how quickly um, 
we could revert right back to just like, all right, let's go back to the status quo. It's Pride Month. That's what we're focused on. I think that what we really have working for us this year, and y'all gonna hate me for saying saying it, is this pandemic. Because we're all stuck inside, right? Like, if we weren't stuck inside and we were still able to, like, go out and go to these pride parties and whatnot, like, I do think that, like, this, everything that's happening right now would get lost in a heartbeat. Like, sorry, I can't come out. I'm stuck in a K-hole. Yeah. (laughs) Brands would be, all right, like, we're done with the Black Lives Matter stuff. Like, we have to, like, put up our, our pride marketing now to show that, like, we're in solidarity with this now. So, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm happy that this pandemic's happening and it's forcing us to like okay we have to pay attention to the things that really matter right now and not from like a party standpoint but from an actual like what does pride stand for when you can't go out and party right like do you guys even have that education or were you just going out to party i i don't know if i want to say that i'm happy that the pandemic is happening especially with the healthcare system being as racist as it is which equals that black people are going to be experiencing this worse uh i know you know that and and I do agree that this is a good opportunity and it is a good opportunity to offer education and it's a good opportunity to, you know, uh, examine what pride is without a Bank of America corporate sponsorship. What is pride without a Nike rainbow swish? Mm-hmm. What does the co-opting of a capitalist economy for the marketability to queer people during June mean in relationship to the history of pride maybe maybe (laughs) we are going to experience pride closer to the thing that it always was than we ever have before right and i think that we should think of this as an opportunity to be the most honoring to our queer ancestors than we ever have in our history beyond just shouting out sylvia rivera on the mic in between sets Mm -hmm. um I also want to name that I think partying's awesome. <laughs> we said it, I think, episode one or two. It is. Uh, we, queer people are really good at partying. You know, Lady Gaga, this is the dance floor I fight for. Like, fully dancing and moving and fucking are all radical expressions of an oppressed people. And there is beauty into pride parties and pride parades and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But when we're more concerned about uh, whether or not cops should be at pride, which is an argument that I've seen on every queer community's like Facebook group, delete your Facebook, I don't have it anymore. But I'm just saying like (laughs) in years past, you know, examine that. Think about that. We talked a few weeks ago about the meth gala and that fucking DJ who like threw that coronavirus uh, party. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. This motherfucker like had to put out this whole apology video. It was like really weird and methy. I don't know. Did we talk about that? Anyway. So he took to the internet again to like spread his dumbassness and just like, I think he's just really committed to being like a dumbass. But um, I think that's like, we need to add that letter to the LGBTD dumbass. Um, <laughs> um, but he took and was like, okay, so what the fuck? I can't throw a party with my friends to celebrate, you know, queerness and gayness. And now everyone's taken to the streets. Where's coronavirus now? And it's just like, that yeah. is a lack. Well, you, you might've like, lost one too many brain cells and like your activities but i also think that there's like 
the unbearable whiteness of being in that is just like yeah. ridiculous, you know? And then I think his boyfriend also posted a fake hospital photo saying that people had been bullying him so much that he was on suicide watch. And it was like, not real. Like it, um, I am not meaning to derail this whole conversation to talk about a fucked up white queer person. I am naming that that example is one of thousands that come up all the time. Like, all the gay porn stars that just got quote canceled because of all of their racist tweets that have been coming out. You know, I, I don't want to name them, but like there's all these like gay people and white gay people that other white gay people support simply because they're hot. And yeah. that's disgusting. <laughs> and n I don't know. Fuck. I'm just mad now. <laughs> <laughs> You've been mad on this episode. Sorry. No, I love it. I do. I really do. Um, I get the point that you're getting to, though. And it's two things, like, absolutely. I didn't mean, like, I'm happy for the pandemic. I meant I'm happy for the what the pandemic has forced us to focus on. I know. And also, yeah, party culture and fucking and all that good stuff is part of, you know, queer culture as well. Um, but again, I think it's just about the focus, right? Like, We've been focusing on that for a few years now, guys. I think it's okay if we like uh, put our focus back on back on what like really actually matters, right? Like, I think we're all gonna be okay if we have this one year that we can't go out and party the way we want to. I think it'll be fine, okay? Like, this isn't the last time it'll ever happen. I hope, but I think that we can really direct our focus at true activism this year versus wanting so desperately to go out and dance around in your underwear, you know? Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. And wanting no. to do that, I want to do it really bad too. Yeah. But let me take that energy and put it somewhere else, right? Because I just, there's nothing I can do about that, right? And that's just what it is. And what does it mean for us to, in this moment, build stronger coalitions that our ancestors were not able to build? Exactly. What does it mean in this moment to honor the gay liberation front that marched with the Black Panthers? Like, what does it mean for these radical arms of our movements to fast forward 30 40 50 60 years to queer people who are now dissecting what that means and how that harmed us and think about how do we work across movements how do we work with the latinx community who is facing uh deportation and racism and ice in these ways that you know white people are not or maybe black people are not, you know what I mean? Like there is like, we have to not think of these issues as separate. Yeah. These issues are connected to the oppressive power of whiteness. And until we begin to move beyond what is the concern for me as my personhood and what is the concern and move toward my concerns are my neighbor's concerns, we're never going to figure it out. And we're going to keep making the same mistakes. It's true. And you know what? I think we can pause there. Oh, okay, let's take a quick break. We're almost ready to come back again. All right, let's let's take some meds. I think that it's that time. I'm getting a little worked up. And I think yeah. if I take some meds, it'll it'll bring me back down to earth a little. That's fair. I'll, I'll go first. So the meds I'm taking this week are um, a protest I went to on Tuesday and a conversation I had at work um, today, actually. So 
Um, Tuesday, I was out here in these Portland streets, um, you know, demanding for justice for all, not just the recent Black death, but all of the Black death that I've had to witness um, in my lifetime. And, you know, I started this week off, I think I might have mentioned it earlier. I started this week off super duper duper. Um, there was no sadness. It was anger. It was just, it was pure anger. Um, and going to that, pro and it was anger on the cusp of hopelessness as well. Um, and going to that protest on Tuesday, it was cathartic. It was, it instilled a lot of hope in me. Um, I actually, if you follow me on Instagram, I wrote a post about sort of how I had been feeling up until that point. Um, I think the thing that got to me the most was just, you know, being on the ground, hands are not tied, but hands behind my back for the for that full eight minutes and 46 seconds with everybody else. Um, it, it really, it showed me that there are people who care and people who are empathetic and people who want to see the system change. So mm -hmm. um, it instilled a lot of hope in me. And that's a good thing because up until now, I don't think that I had that. Yeah. Um, paired with a conversation I had at work today. Yeah. Um, I, we had an internal meeting. I let it, um, there's, we haven't really been doing much this week, uh, which is a good thing. And that is good. During this specific call, knowing we hadn't been doing anything all week, I was just like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go around, we're going to have a round table and I want to hear what you did for the black community this week mm. or what you reflected on this week. And I know it's going to be uncomfortable for a lot of you because you haven't had to have this conversation at work specifically. So um, we're going to do it though. And it felt a little like group therapy, which was nice. Um, I had to put on my moderator hat. Um, and it was nice. It was nice hearing from everybody. It was nice calling some people out on some erroneous sort of actions they've taken and how they're still sort of leaning on the black community to educate them. And, you know, uh, I always say this, you have to ask questions. You have to take risks. You have to be open to being corrected. Yeah. I'm not going to scream at you and yell at you because you got something wrong. I'm, but I am going to steer you in the right direction. And I might do it firmly because, you know, there are things that aren't, there's no joking matter about a lot of the stuff that's going on right now. I need you to understand that. So those are my two things. I mean, those two things happening sort of back to back for me this week, um, I would say had me here on this day feeling very hopeful about the future and about um, what's to come. That's great. I'm really glad that was able to happen for you. And I, I'm, I saw the post. It was really beautiful and really insightful. I'm, I'm, I'm also glad that your work is opening itself up in some ways uh and you're fucking challenging that shit it needs to happen um that's great um for me i you know uh we didn't know what we were going to talk about but i have had moments similar to what you're talking about this week either whether it's conversations with friends or i think i said at the top of the episode that i'm honestly not taking super great care of my body and self right now i'm just kind of in this like action mode um but finding connection um, and seeing people change is something that is bringing me some joy. But for me, the image that is representing that the most right now is on one of the days that we were out, sunset was just starting to hit as we were crossing the Burnside Bridge. And so we're on this bridge with thousands and thousands, I think a, a small rough estimate, a conservative estimate was like 10,000 people. And um 
I had never been in such a large group before, especially surrounding this. And um, I was able to share that with my partner. And I think I just was having this moment of like, I've been making good decisions. <laughs> like I, I, I made a good decision with my, with my partner. I'm grateful that they chose me to be their partner. We're both angry and that is a good decision. Uh, we're both out in the streets right now with our community and that is a good decision. And um, Oregon in the summertime is just honestly the most beautiful thing ever. And those two things together just kind of like really they've cemented a symbol of that hopefulness that I think that you're making allusions to at the moment. So I'm just matching you there. As we move into the homework, I thought that maybe we could tackle a question that we got kind of quickly um, because it kind of tied to our homework last week of um, take care of yourself and reach out to the black and brown folks in your life. And um, yeah, so that we got a question though from a listener who says, how can a white person respectfully extend their allyship to someone they don't know very well, but spend a lot of time near with such as a coworker? I can't make myself say, hey, I noticed you're black and I wanna let you know I'm here if you need backup. I work with a couple of women of color. One of them is a black woman and I know she already receives different treatment. And now I feel like it may be more so. I want to reach out, but I don't want to come across as having a white savior complex. Any suggestions? Mm, happy to answer. Um, okay. First question, first and foremost, and I think a lot of people should ask themselves this, especially if you are trying to, if you are trying to help the Black community and if you are trying to do something, first of all, question your own motive. What are you, what's your reasoning behind this, right? Like, I, I don't know, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not white. <laughs> so it's, I don't, I've never, I don't know, I don't know what it's like to feel white savior complex, but um, if I had to guess and assume, a lot of people probably have white savior complex because they just, they want to feel good about themselves, right? And I will say, if that is a motive or a motivation, then you're already starting off on the wrong foot. I'm not saying that's what it is, but just for anybody sure. listening, right? just always question your own motivation behind doing something and see if it, it's truly coming from a selfless place. Um, and if it is, fantastic, great. Next thing you can do is be open and honest about it, right? Like, I don't think you need to do a bunch of preparation before you go talk to this Black woman about anything, right? Like, I think that's part of what gets people tripped up and why some people say the wrong things and why people avoid. Like, you're almost doing too much planning for how you're going to just have a conversation. Like, just talk. Just be yourself, right? Like, just let her know, hey, like, I've been feeling this way about everything going on. I do see this. I don't know how you feel. So I just want to talk to you because like, I'm curious and I want to know. And I think that you being honest that way is going to get you a better response than trying to go into it. You kind of almost said it in your question, right? Like, no, you don't want to go in there with white savior complex, but it's almost like if you're going in there just to ask, like, I want to be your ally, like, let me help you, whatever, whatever, you're already sort of making that case for yourself so yeah. instead of doing it that way just be real with her and say yo i see this like this is how it's making me feel 
and leave it at that because you you don't know how she feels. She might straight up be like, "Oh, I'm chilling over here. Like, yeah. <laughs> thanks for calling out an injustice, but like, I there's a reason behind all this. She, yeah. You know, you can't make assumptions about anybody, and totally. especially when it comes to race. So, I would just be real with her about what's motivating you. Be real with yourself about that, and then be real with her about why it's motivating you. And hey, if she wants to help, she'll say that she wants to help. And yeah. if she's just like, "I'm chilling over here," like. And if she says that was awkward, then, hey, guess what? That's a learning lesson. And you can even say, I'm sorry that was awkward. How do I make that less awkward in the future? Or would this work if I said it this way? Like, poke and prod. Keep exploring. Make it more uncomfortable for yourself. I My campaign right now is make white people uncomfortable <laughs> in 2020. Like, yeah. get uncomfortable. That's the only way anything is going to change. So don't make a plan because a plan is trying to get you to a comfortable space. Like, mm. just go into it head first. Yeah, I think we were talking about, I don't remember if it was this episode or last one, about like white anxiety and how that anxiety kind of seizes up action because it is like, as a white person, I understand why that happens, right? Like there is kind of information coming from all sides about what you should and shouldn't do. But the core of this question is, especially in rural areas, like what does solidarity look like and what does community care look like and you view that someone as someone in your community and if that's true i think shawnee you're saying exactly what i was thinking which is like going up to that person and being like we work together what i'm about to say might be hella fucking weird i just need you to know that i see some of this shit and i can be a backup to you i spend the majority of my time working here telling our bosses how they're not doing the right thing and i get a bunch of shit already for it if you want to throw some of that stuff my way so you don't have to do it i'd be happy to and yeah if this is upsetting you that i'm even talking to you right now i totally get that and we can leave it alone i just want you to know i see you i'm here for you and like i i haven't had that exact conversation but i've had similar ish conversations and like you're saying that person has let me know whether that is welcome or not and um that is that is okay because like you can't make decisions for someone else about what they want advocacy for or not in their own life. You know, absolutely. You just hit that nail right on the head. Um, what is our homework for the week? Um, it's good. It's going to be good. You're going to love this one in the same spirit of make white people uncomfortable 2020. Um, we're going to do some journaling because if I had to guess, I'd say most of y'all are white out there. Um, we're going to journal. And we're going to do the same exercise I had people at work doing because I think it's great. Um, what did you do for the Black community this week? I want you to write it down, not think about it, not reflect on it, not meditate on it. I mean, you can do that if you want to as well. But I want you to take pen to paper and physically write down what you did for the Black community this week. What action did you take? Mm -hmm. um, and if you didn't take any action, maybe think and write down what that was about and mm -hmm. what kept you from doing that. I'm not judging you for it, right? But I want to make sure you're aware of the fact that you didn't take any action and what was, again, motivating that. Mm -hmm. um, or and then blocking we're gonna that. We're blocking that, yeah. Um, and then we're going to take it one step further. And then I want to know how you plan to continue supporting the Black community and anti-racism work and dismantling oppression and racism in this country and globally as well. Um, I've said it on this episode. I'm going to continue saying it because we cannot let this fire die. I want to know how this is going to continue to work, right? This isn't a one-week thing. We're not all going back to normal on Monday. Like, you need to 
really think about what else you're going to keep doing to to keep this revolution going this is not a one-stop thing you didn't make one donation this week and suddenly you have dismantled racism and everything can go back to normal right are you did you set up reoccurring payments right like okay if you went to a protest this week what are you doing next week you know like if if you're having tough conversations at work like how are you going to continue having those conversations who else are you going to seek out moving forward so just think on it what does a continuous practice of reparations look like? What does asking this exact question that Shawnee's asking us right now, how did you show up for the Black community this week and how did you continue supporting anti-racism work? Those are very direct questions that you can ask other white people in your life um, that don't really create much opportunity for them to dodge the question. I have been talking about how I've been working with my mom. I sent her a text almost exactly like this the other day. I literally was like, what have you done this week to support Black Lives Matter and the movement uh, against police brutality? You know, that doesn't give her room to talk about much else except that thing. And um, direct questions at this time and challenges, because if someone has not done those things, they know that you now know they didn't. (laughs) And it's about Mm -hmm. building accountability into this process. Exactly. And I mean, accountability is the word. It's not about guilting somebody. It's it's just about poking and prodding to figure out so that people can be accountable for their actions. So write all that down. Write down the answer to those questions. What did you do for the Black community this week? How do you plan to continue supporting anti-racism work, dismantling oppression and racism? Um, and just supporting the Black Lives Matter revolution. We're not going to call it a movement anymore. Um, work. Sorry. No, you're fine. <laughs> you suggested that. Um, <laughs> oh, work. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, we, as always, want to hear from you um, with how you did with the homework, you know, what meds you're taking, especially this week. We definitely want to hear from you. Um, or if you just want to call us and let, let us know how you're feeling about everything going on, you can do that as well. Um, feel free to leave us a voicemail at 971 220 8874. Um, or you can send us an email at qbtpodcast at gmail.com. Um, hit us up. We want to hear from you. I especially want to hear from you. Please, please, please. Yeah. And I think um, following us at qbtpod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, on Instagram, especially, we are sharing a lot of resources, both for Black mental health um, and wellness during this time, as well as challenges to white people to not only externalize this uh, work that we can do outside of ourselves, but also what the internalized work looks like and the dismantling of internalized white supremacy that we need to do within ourselves. Don't forget to subscribe and share. Um, Shawnee and I have been sharing texts and images back and forth of people that have been saying some really, really beautiful, kind things about this work. And uh, we really greatly appreciate it. It has been one of the bright spots that keeps us going. We both have also come to the conclusion that those are very beautiful things that we appreciate, but tell your friends. Uh, I'm ready to meet your friends. I'm tired of being a closet, like, secret hoe for you. I am ready to meet your friends. Let's go out. Um, Come on. (laughs) Thank you to Marquis and Shanti Darling for letting us use their music, and big thanks to Allie Kiltz for helping us with editing. You can listen to her podcast, Trace Material, about the history and future of hemp. Girl, pack your bags. You're going to the woods. Oh, I'm about to unplug. Nobody bother me for the next two days. All right. 
I won't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. Bye, love you. Trying to talk slick, all up in my ear and shit. <laughs>